You are listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Jason Rowland. I am the pastor of Believers Baptist Church and one of the elders. And joining me on the podcast today, one of the other elders of our church, Philip Castleton. We want to thank you for listening. Whoever you may be and wherever you may be, may the Lord bless this podcast to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth. Philip, we are recording this in August of 2021. This particular episode will come out in October, the second week of October of 2021, Lord willing. And uh, we just got through eating lunch at Marshall's Barbecue in Emory, Texas, Mm -hmm. making a little commercial for Marshall's right now. Great barbecue. I encourage you, if you have not eaten there, that you need to drive to Emory, make the trip to come to Emory, Texas, and go to Marshall's Barbecue. They do have very, very good food. There's no doubt. Yes. And since I bought today... And you know what that means for you next time. That means, um, I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Am I supposed to assume? <laughs> well, I was hoping that uh, you were assuming that uh, you would pay next time. Oh, oh yeah, 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 okay. Well, you see, some things elude me. I just, <laughs> right. I just didn't get the hint. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we have been in the Gospel of Matthew for much of the podcast that we have done, uh, for example, in July and also in September, because we've been doing the Beatitudes out of the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to stay in the Gospel of Matthew, because we want to look at a question that um, perhaps others have asked in the past, and I know that uh, it can be a little bit difficult, the texts that address this particular question, and that is, how do we understand an unclean spirit departing and then returning to a person? How do we understand an unclean spirit departing and returning to a person? And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 12 to look at this, but let me set the context a little bit, Philip, before we get there. When we come to chapter 1 of Matthew, we realize that Matthew's purpose for writing his gospel is to show that Jesus is the king. He is the king that has been promised. He's the expected one that is promised throughout the prophecies of the Old Testament as not only the prophet and the priest, but the king to come. So in chapter 1, we have the genealogy of the king. In chapter 2, we have the Magi coming to give worship to the king. In chapter 3, John the Baptist is the one who is proclaiming that the king has arrived. In chapter 4, we see the king standing firm against the attacks of Satan himself. In chapters 5, 6, and 7, we see the king preaching the the kingdom Mm -hmm. and how you are to receive and to act in the kingdom. And then in chapters 8, 9, and 10, you have the credentials of the king, these miracles that he is performing that are given to us in chapters 8, 9, and 10 to... um, Uh, verify that he is the king promised again in the Old Testament. Now, running parallel with that is the growing opposition that we see in chapters 8, 9, and 10. And so by the time we come to chapters 11 and 12 in the Gospel of Matthew, then we've got the the Pharisees, the religious elite of that day, 
that are taking a harder and harder stance against Jesus, and it all comes to a head in chapter 12, because we have in chapter 12, Jesus pre- presenting himself as the king, if you will, of the Sabbath. Right. He is the king uh, as he again performs miracles, and he heals the man with the withered hand, mm-hmm. and then we recognize that um, the these religious, moralistic Pharisees have come against Jesus, and they're going to accuse him of casting out demons by Beelzebub. By Beelzebub. Right. And so uh, that's where the story really picks up, beginning there in chapter 12, verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges." But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter into a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. And so then we we have Jesus talking further into chapter 12, and he talks about, and we'll come back to it, the sign of Jonah. Mm-hmm. But let's get to the text that we want to particularly focus on that relates to the question. And this is found in verse 43 through 46. This is the last uh, part of the uh, chapter, actually verses 43, 44, and 45. Mm-hmm. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. And then we want to come to the end of chapter 12 in just a few minutes as we we start our uh, conversation with it. So, right. Philip, what's going on here with this demon that has been uh, cast out or has at least left the person and then comes back? How, how do we need to think about that? Well, I don't think it's, I don't think he's actually giving us a story of something that's actually transpired first. Right. I think he's, he's given an example, um, right? Because he's saying... It, what I'm explaining to you, what I'm explaining here is is what is going to be like for these people. Now, what people is he talking about? He's talking about this group of people whom he has just who he has just chided, if you will. He has just rebuked. He has just um, uh, gotten onto them specifically for basically denying the work of the Spirit. Right? right? They have accused him of doing works by the power of Satan, and he's saying ultimately. Uh, no, 
The Holy Spirit's the one doing this work. And for you to give credit to anybody but Him ultimately is to deny um, deny the, the work of the Spirit. It's to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. He's going to say after that, um, He's going to say, um, basically, you are evidenced by the fruit that you produce, right? Mm-hmm. There's a section in there that we didn't that you didn't discuss right. about knowing a tree by its fruit. Right. He is he is coming to these uh, the religious leaders and saying, "You do not accept my witness. You do not accept who I am. You do not accept me. You have rejected me at every turn." Like you said, there's a there's an increase, uh, a consistent and and progressive increase in their hatred and their Antipathy, opposition, yeah, toward him, and they're and they're steadily moving against him more and more and more, and he's he's speaking to them in an act of judgment. He is saying, um, "You you are self satisfied, right? Mm-hmm. The king has arrived, right? The very purpose for all of your legalistic Judaism, the guy who gave you the law, the the person who 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 all of this is supposed to point to." is here, and you have been happy with the shadows and have rejected the substance. Right. Right. This is really what he's, you know, getting right. on to them about. And so... Um, it, so it has come to a head here. It has. And, and they have rejected the king, mm-hmm. and they have rejected the kingdom. Yes. And they have said, basically, um, Jesus, you are doing this by a power um, that is satanic. Yes. And so that is a a rejection totally of not only Jesus, but then the kingdom that they uh, should have been willing to accept and they should have understood from their Old Testament. Well, yeah, because their their whole system was looking forward to this Messiah, right? right. And their whole system was built around the coming of this king. Mm-hmm. And the king is there and they refuse him. Right. Right. They're rejecting him. He came unto his own and his own received him not. Right. This is what John says in regards to this. Right. Right. So he's getting here. And so he tells this story about this group of people who, in essence, embrace morality, but without any foundation for their morality. Yes. In essence, I am the reason for all of your laws. I am the reason for your entire system. I am he. I am the one, and you've rejected it. You haven't rejected necessarily the law, even though you can't keep it. You've built some uh, legalistic hedge around it, but you haven't rejected it. But ultimately, what you think is that the morality that you claim that comes through being a Jew and having the oracles and all of that stuff, you think that'll ultimately satisfy. And I'm telling you, you'll, your end position will be worse than it was at the beginning. You can't clean up your life without, um, without, without ultimately Christ. Anything other than that will serve, um, you know, useless. Right. And in uh, a parallel account of this in the Gospel of Luke, mm-hmm. we have the comment that these uh, religious leaders and some of the crowd were asking Jesus for a sign. We want a sign. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus then, in both Matthew and Luke, and I didn't read it earlier, but I made the comment that we're coming back right. to it, says that I'll give you a sign. Yeah. And here's what he says. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Mm-hmm. But he answered them, An evil and an adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment 
with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Right. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Yeah. And so what Jesus is basically saying is that there have been in the history that these scribes and Pharisees, the leaders should have been familiar with, two examples at least, that that hearing and believing and accepting what God has revealed is um, what is needed, what is necessary. Yes. And so uh, Jonah is the example that is used here. The sign is that just as the men of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah because they were willing to hear, just as the queen of the south came and listened to the wisdom of Solomon, now Jesus is here, the king is here, he's preaching and teaching, mm-hmm. listen, right. hear him. But you instead are saying that you do these things by Beelzebub. Yeah, instead of accepting him, and by the way, you know, it's so funny, like in John in particular, he says, believe me because of the testimony of John. Believe me because of the miracles I do. Believe me because of the testimony of my father. Believe me, believe me, believe me, right? right. But they have refused every testimony. Yes. And that's the, that's the argument he's making this whole thing. You, there is nothing, you've left yourself nothing but condemnation. Right. You have been happy to sit and rest in this perceived morality, this perceived... Um, um, Y- y'all all live very cleaned up lives, right. right? And you seem to be happy. You think, look, we did away with our sin, right? The, the evil spirit's gone, and we've cleaned it up, and we're all good. And he says, no, you don't understand. Right. You don't understand. If it's not filled with a relationship, a real relationship, a, a connection to the son, uh, the king, um, that the worst condition will be will be way worse than what it began. Right. Yeah. Your, your morality gained by your law-keeping. Which they have reduced to be able to do, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Your morality by law keeping um, means nothing because you have no relationship with me because you're not willing to hear and you're not willing to repent and you're not willing to seek um, and understand that I'm here. I'm the king that's been promised. Right. Um, and, and so what you said was that this is not so much a, a reality, this is not a person. And an experience, you're saying that Jesus is using this as an illustration to help bring the condemnation on the Pharisees. I do think so. I yeah. think that's. I, th- I don't think this is a legitimate thing that happened as right. much as he's making a condemnation. And the reason is, he's going to follow this up with a couple of verses where he says, um, when I say I think it's talking about um, moralism without a relationship to Christ, he's going to, while he's still speaking, the people, behold, his mother, his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. Verse 48, he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother? Who is my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my mother and brother and sister. So it, here he's saying, um, it, it, at least the way I understand this, he's saying, Having a, a physical relationship to me, an ethnic attachment, just because you're Jews doesn't actually provide anything for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, ha- just because my mother and brothers are here, who, who really are my mothers and brothers? Who really are those attached to me? Well, it's those who obey. 
those who obey my father. And that's the point when he goes back. That's the point he's making when he says a tree is known by its fruits. Right. You know, if you really were God's kids, you would be, it would reflect in the way that you actually do obey. Mm-hmm. But the fact that God has sent his king, right, and he is in front of you and you refuse him is evidence that who to, to whom you really belong. Right. Right. And that's the argument he's making through here. And I think that's why I don't believe this is an actual demon picture as much as it is um, a, a condemnation. Right. So let's let's camp on that just for a minute because I think the question stems from the confusion that comes from thinking that this is a, a real event. This is what happens typically in a demon possession situation or this is what is happening uh, commonly within what we would call demon possession. And that brings confusion. That is completely... Um, out of context with the whole text that we've just tried to lay out. Right. We've tried to explain by looking at the verses before and after that these things that are being said in this case is not a, an, an actual event. It's not an actual person. Um, perhaps that's what might happen on um, in the reality of a demon possession. Uh, but in particular, Jesus is just trying to illustrate the morality of the Pharisees. And so I don't want us to um, f- to forget that um, people would take this verse and then set up their exorcisms, set up their demon, yeah. uh, casting out demon kinds of ministries, and perhaps you've experienced that and seen that. Uh, um, I, um, I know that I've seen books printed at the mm-hmm. local... Uh, Christian bookstores, seen articles, um, heard people talking, referencing, not necessarily just this text, but the whole idea of this demon possession. Well, and the reason um, I would definitely hold that this is not, that is not, is because if you just continue to follow the text, right, take out the chapter headings, all of that stuff, just continue to follow the, 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 the reasoned argument, he immediately then begins to speak to them in parables, right? right. And uh, I know we've got another podcast that we're going to address this, but the, the, and he's going to say specifically that parables are an act of judgment. Right. For those who can hear, but refuse to hear those who can see, but refuse to see, right? And so this is this whole argumentation is that this 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 whole um, confrontation of the Jews against Jesus has come to a head, mm-hmm. and Jesus in a um, in an act of uh, righteous judgment against those who refuse to hear. He says, "Well." I'm gonna. I, I, I'm gonna speak in a way that you can't understand me anyway. Right. 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 I'm gonna speak in in terms which, um, though you can see, you'll, your mind will it'll never make the connection. Uh, right. Though you can hear, you'll never actually uh, get the truth. And um, because they haven't loved the truth yet. Right. Right. They've hated the truth from the beginning. And he's gonna say, well, if you hate it, how about I just turn it off? Right. And one thing we ought to mention too uh, that adds to their condemnation. They're not rejecting and saying, Jesus, you didn't do these miracles. No. They they are affirming that Jesus has done these miracles. Oh, yeah. They hate him because he's done the miracles. Right. You know. They're not, he is not doing the miracles in the way that they believe he ought to be doing the miracles. Well, sure. Yeah. They, he has offended their sensibilities. Right. And he has offended their... Um, uh, their own man-made rules, the right. hedge, you know, their, their, this hedge of protection they've built around the law, 
to think, you know, and, and he's offended all of those things. He's actually made claims that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, right? Right, And that they don't get to make rules. He, he's the one who established the Sabbath, and he'll do what he wants to on it, right. and they don't like him. Right. And, in, and so in there, I think it's important to, to recognize that the clarity of what they're seeing is not being rejected. They're seeing it, and they're still rejecting it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and but we would be probably remiss if we didn't say this. Um, this isn't unique to the Pharisees. Right. This is a warning to all men because this is this is what all men do. Yes. Um, if if God doesn't open the eyes and and, and open the ears, uh, you know, ultimately by opening the heart, right? If He doesn't do that, we all are just like the Pharisees. The, the Pharisees are really a picture of what mankind is. Right. Who mankind is, and I'm not saying they weren't. They, they're not just a picture. They were. They really were actual Pharisees doing this, but. But we miss the point if we think that that was just them. No, that is who we are. We're legalistic by in bent. Right. You know, we want to earn our way and we refuse what is true. And um, this is a warning not just to the Pharisees, but to us as well. Right. Um, respond. Act. Move. Uh, you know, accept the king. Kiss the sun while you can. Right. Psalm 2. Yeah. Right. Kiss the sun while you can because the opportunity is, is going away. Right. And he may act in judgment. Hebrews 5, right? The same kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah. Right. And even um, uh, the sign of Jonah in the sense that just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, mm-hmm. so the Son of Man not only died, was buried, but he rose again. Yeah. And and believe that that's the sign to all people now. Yeah. That, and believe, yeah. believe that and uh, repent and come to saving faith in Christ. Well, um, it's well, easy. And I think that's one of the condemnations. See, um, they didn't have... They had this picture of Jonah. We can look back and see that Jonah, and that's a representation of the resurrection, but they didn't have the resurrection, right. and yet they still believed. We actually, on this side of the cross, have it. Right. We know it's a reality, and we still reject the truth. Right. And that's even a further condemnation on right. us. And I see in our culture, particularly, you know, we're in Texas and in the South and in Texas, there's this... There's this morality that's in the culture. It's it's becoming less and less, but we've got this biblical morality, and we're seeing it's just being shredded, no doubt. But but nevertheless, there are remnants of it still, so that men open the doors for women, so that we understand that um, civility and manners and respect um, and appreciation. Um, all are, are just kind of in the culture. And, and, and again, it's not always the case, but that's where we see it. And it's easy for us to be prideful or secure or comfortable or complacent in our morality. Well, I'm a good person. And I compare myself to the drug addict under the bridge or I compare myself to the uh, meth addict um, who's uh, living um, in a rat and roach infested apartment and see my morality is better than that person's morality. Mm-hmm. And we are much like the Pharisees in that sense. Yeah, well, we've been sold a bill of goods. There's no doubt. Our, we have moved somewhere along the way of recognizing that um, 
that the imperatives of Scripture are built upon the indicatives of Scripture mm-hmm. to just preaching the imperatives of Scripture, right? And so no indicative, no, no foundation. Um, just be, live a better life. Be a more moral person, right? Um, you know, don't, don't cheat on your wife and uh, pay your taxes and, you know, whatever. Right. So we do this. We preach this. And then pretty soon we get to the point where we go, I do pay my taxes and I don't cheat on my wife. And um, I haven't killed anybody. And I, 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 you know, I try to help my neighbor as much as I can. And, um, and that's what God's word requires of me. I'm, I'm okay. Right. And that's what we've been taught. Right. Right. And, um, and, and unfortunately, it makes it really, really hard to explain, to, to proclaim the gospel, if you will, with any effectiveness to, to that group of people because they have been convinced by, you know, modern evangelicalism that they have done what it takes to satisfy God. Right. In, in this area, not recognizing that um, none of those th- commands, demands in Scripture uh, were meant to save. Um, in fact, um, the law itself was given to uh, people who had already been pulled out and redeemed, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it can only be expected in the sense of actually being fulfilled in any not even in a perfect sense, but by a group that's been redeemed and renewed and has a Holy Spirit. But it certainly um, is was ultimately, as Paul said, was not meant to justify. It was meant to to give us a, an awareness of how wretched we truly are and that we need grace, mm-hmm. right? But we've we've lost the whole preaching of the law um, as um, as a as a automobile to get us to grace. Mm-hmm. And we've started teaching the law as a means of um, satisfying God, mm-hmm. right? And, and and irrespective of the fact that we can't actually do it, right? right, And that its demands are too high. Right. And that's why it, it it's it, this South is, is hard. Right. Hard. Yeah. In fact, it's probably harder for the gospel to penetrate the one who has lived uprightly, morally, and as you say, paid the taxes and been faithful to their wife, those kinds of things, yeah. than it is for the drug addict under the bridge. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's exactly right. Because you can't, he didn't come to, to save the, the, the righteous, but the, but the lost. And right. until we can um, get a hold of the fact that we're lost, um, there's no redemption for us. Right. Well, we want to thank everyone for taking time to listen to this episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. We pray that it would be a blessing to you. And any way that you can share this podcast, then it might be helpful to others. We would appreciate that very much. And Lord bless you for listening. Amen.